Welcome to the Meditation Podcast. You can find all our episodes on meditationpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute and YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach because I've got four other podcasts. You'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. My guest today, spiritual teacher, author, author of a few books, professor, and basically is going by Swami Nityananda. Did I say the surname correct? Almost. Uh, So Swami Nityananda is the name my meditation teacher gave me. Okay. So I suppose you might just introduce yourself to the listeners. I mean, I just mentioned bullet points, but you might let them know a little bit more about you. Sure. Absolutely. So I am geographically located in Baltimore, and I teach meditation at a meditation community founded by my meditation teacher. My teacher was Swami Shankarananda. He left the body, passed away, as yogis uh, would say it, in 2014. And when he did, um, before he did, he asked me to carry on sharing the teachings of yoga philosophy, initiating sincere students into Kriya yoga meditation, and sharing teachings of non-dual awareness or Advaita Vedanta in the yogic tradition. So it's been my great joy to do that since 2014. Okay. And for those that don't know, what what Swami, what's that, that mean? Um, so Swami, it, it can be translated in many ways, but it means one who knows and is master of oneself. Okay, okay. And your own journey then, going back, how did you get into all of this? So one of the basic observations that I have is that, and this is an awareness I believe is fully freely available to all humans, from my earliest memories, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. So if you know that region, it's very um, full of mountains and lakes and evergreens and nature is a force to be reckoned with. And so I was just aware from my earliest moments of awareness as a human of the ways I was interconnected with the natural world. So my body was an extension of the natural world. The natural world was an extension of my body. And so that was the way this awareness that each of us has that is larger than the physical, that is more than human, expressed itself through me. And I would also say it's there in every human. So for every listener, if you connect with where do you find those pure moments of joy and that inner feeling of spaciousness and freedom and a sort of gladness and well-being, And as you connect with that, you're connecting with your true self. So each of us is born with this. It is our true nature. It's always present and always available. Certainly when I met my teacher, Swami Shankarananda, so that was in 2010, that was a major catalyst for living continually in unbroken moment to moment contact with that awareness. And for, I suppose, for those that, because I think as children, it's beaten out of us, you know, we are definitely connected. So for those that basically have kind of lost their flow, they're no longer in this way. Have you any advice? What's the best way to kind of reconnect with their inner self? So there are so many different pathways and you will absolutely know the pathway that calls to you. And so trust that deep inner knowingness you have a feeling like the first time that my teacher walked into the room, I was attending a meditation on a Friday night, he walked into the room and there was just a direct awareness of this is the real, this is the light, this is that energy of kindness that is more than human. And so you will know 
like when you meet your teacher, you absolutely know there's a deep sense of calm. There's a sense of almost like um, magnetism and it's completely pure. Like it's completely innocent, it's honorable, it's noble, it's natural. Um, so as you are ready, there's no doubt about it. You will meet your teacher and there's nothing like it. It is such a gift to be a human, to be an embodiment and to meet a teacher. It is really the light in the teacher calls to the light within you and quickens and activates and enlivens and magnifies that light so that then that light becomes your reality um, from moment to moment. So that's available. That will happen. In the meantime, if you ask with sincerity to be guided to the readings, to the meditations, to the practices that strengthen the light within yourself, you will step by step be guided. And so listen to that guidance, follow that guidance, and you will have that same sense of inner connection, that inner joy, that inner brightness, that inner response, that inner sort of overflowing feeling of gratitude and recognition. Excellent. And like with, with my youngest child, he's nine now, but I remember when he was very small because I like going to the forest and everything and he'd be hugging trees. And I actually love that because I've read uh, the book, The Hidden Life of Trees. And it's like it's fascinating, you know, how forests work and everything. And like, I think sometimes people might kind of when a child is doing that, the parent might interject. But I saw on your website as well that you kind of do meditations for children. I just curious because I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's something I encourage my child to do, you know, listen to you know, don't be glued to a phone, step back and kind of breathe. And what is it that you're doing in your center for children? So, I mean, I can just give you a really sweet example. This was um, a meditation shared by Acharya Premadas, who is a meditation teacher in our community as well. And he was giving a meditation for children. And so the children are seated like in a circle around him. And he asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kids answered with names of professions. And he said, no, that's that's what you do. <laughs> what do you want to be <laughs> when you grow up? And so that's just a very sweet example of uh, shifting perspective to connect with what are the qualities of kindness or generosity or neighborliness or whatever it is that we would like to be rather than what it is we would like to do when we grow up that's just one small example but also there are kids i will just say who come to meditations with their parents um, sometimes they listen to their ipad well they do that um, but they also really do pick up on and enjoy the meditations however they participate in them and I think even if the parent is actually involved in this, you know, the fact that they're kind of calm or because a child actually sees their friend's parents and how they're reacting. And then they kind of realize oh, my father doesn't get angry. He doesn't react in a different way. And I think just by actually seeing how the parent is behaving, it would encourage them to follow that route. I love your observation. And I mean, I also just want to thank you and respect your observation about your nine year old and the way that you were. A, a loving, attentive witness and observer of the awareness that your nine-year-old had and you respected and supported that, that's an amazing gift. And I also agree with you that far more than the words that we speak, kids pick up on how we are. And so, yes, indeed, <laughs> every time that we choose stepping back from reactivity and we choose peace and 
patience and kindness and forgiveness, letting go of conflict, reaching for a higher solution. That's what we're teaching our kids. And I know that you've been on a different uh, shows and stuff like that, but one of them was Radio Ireland and being Irish, I was just curious about that. You might let me know what was that about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that was actually in the context of I work as a professor at a university. And so there was an interviewer who wanted to interview me about a book I had written. And so I went to the local national public radio affiliate and they were kind enough to connect me to an interview at Radio Ireland. And we spoke for 45 minutes or an hour. It was an absolute joy. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And I mean, like, I believe it's three, maybe there's more, but there was three that I found the books. So um, like, You've got Awake is, is your latest one, is it? That's the, um, yeah, you might just tell me kind of what's that entail and what, you know, kind of what was the reasoning behind writing it? Yeah, absolutely. So Awake, the Yoga of Pure Awareness is a book that we published at the meditation community. So it's available at our website, awakeyogameditation.org, and it just came out in December. And we're really excited about it because it helps readers connect with that energy of awareness, that energy of that brightness, that vividness, that vitality, that that joy, whatever it is that you love directly in purity, it helps you connect with that right where you are, right in the midst of daily life. And so there is um, a profound peace that comes with encountering the teachings in that book. The teachings in that book um, are many, but among the teachings shared in that book are teachings from the Tathagata Garbha Sutra. And in that teachings, the Buddha, the one who is awake, says that this energy of awakeness is present within every human. And it's available right where we are, as, as we've been talking, right in the midst of our daily lives, in our families, with our kids, with our parents, with our partners, with our work. And when we're connected with that awakeness, we have resources and we have opportunities inspiration a sort of brightness and a generosity that is able to share through us that otherwise would not be available to us so it's fun it's joyful it's healing it's expansive it's freeing um and i would invite you to check it out like it's filled with good humor it's filled with inspiration there's a lot of stories of humans who achieve the impossible and i think that's an observation that i would just share Humans, you are marvelous <laughs> on a daily basis. You achieve the impossible. So thank you and much joy and respect to you as you do so. And like I, I've seen just some of the stuff that you've written and uh, some of the stuff that you've been talking about. And I've heard, you know, like Jesus mentioned Bud Buddhism, you know, uh, Buddha and Krishna and everything. Is it that you kind of follow all of them because they all have the right message deep down? Or what's the kind of reasoning behind that? Well, sure, absolutely. So one of the things that yogis say is truth is one. It is called by various names. And so we honor the name that each individual uses to refer to the divine. And so practically speaking, that means that we have people who participate in the meditation community who come from all backgrounds, like all faith traditions, or who simply would identify themselves as spiritual rather than religious. And what meditating in community does is it magnifies the joy and the freedom and the peace and the radiance and the good humor and the kindness that we're able to connect with individually in meditation. So we honor all of these paths, all of these names for the divine, 
And it's also very fair to be explicit about saying we are a meditation community in the yogic tradition. And so we often share teachings from the Bhagavad Gita or the Upanishads or the Yoga Sutras. And we show the parallels between those and teachings that are shared by Jesus, for example, or by the Tao uh, or by the Buddha. Oh, beautiful. I love that because usually the situation is when there's a, a certain religion, they just kind of shun or put down the other ones where you're just opening your hands and saying, oh, I'll come in, which in turn, what happens is people of different belief systems prior might have thought differently, but when they connect on the same level, they no longer look at the religion as more of the person. It's it's a really beautiful thing. I mean, I can give as an example, you know, we have people who come from Jewish backgrounds or Catholic backgrounds or Protestant backgrounds or Hindu backgrounds, um, African-American church backgrounds, and they all sort of meet in the light and are able to respect the truth of the tradition that they come from and are also able to respect the light that is shining within everyone. And so you're right, it has a really salutary effect. It heals the divisions that humans are capable of creating. And you, you briefly, you mentioned community, but I know that uh, you're saying, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, tick not, nigh, hi, say meditating in community is a miracle. So you might kind of delve a little bit deeper on that one. I would love to share. Yeah, so Thich Nhat Hanh, um, venerable teacher in the Buddhist tradition, and that's one of his teachings that meditating in community is a miracle. So what he says is this doesn't replace individual seated meditation practice. That still remains vital. But what you find when you meditate with other humans is that that energy of quiet, and it's so simple and so pure. It's allowing ourselves to be still. And as we are still, we become aware directly of the guidance that is present and available that goes beyond limited human perspectives. And so we're always just continually open to that expansive awareness. And so we, when we meditate individually, tune in to the energy of possibility, the energy of positivity, the energy of wholeness, the energy of solutions. It's like catapulting ourselves beyond the level that created the problems and into the level of so many solutions that otherwise we would not be available to. So when we do that together, we actually amplify and magnify that energy of light and of radiance and of laughter and of peace and of joy for one another. And you can feel it. You can feel it in the room of people who are meditating. You also can feel that this energy of connectedness, this energy of awareness expands out beyond the people who are meditating. It radiates out. It benefits everyone that we come into contact with. So we've already mentioned like our kids, our parents, our partners, our workplaces, our neighbors, our cities, if we're walking down the street, we're taking a bus, we're riding a train, we're driving in traffic, we're standing in line at a grocery store. When we have connected with that light that is present in ourselves and also equally present in all humans, we're silently connecting with that light in everyone that we encounter. And it can shift the energy of a room. It can shift the energy of that train car, if you're riding on a train car, can shift the energy of that entire bus if you're riding on a bus. 
Excellent. And in, in the center, then, are you kind of telling people, all right, now we're going to meditate and they just do it themselves? Or do you have music on? Or is there even some guided meditation? What ways kind of that you do? Or do you do all of, all of the above? Well, we have many entry points. And so if so, we meditate together in person in a physical space on Sundays, and then we also broadcast those on Zoom and on YouTube, and they're available indefinitely on YouTube. So anyone who's interested is invited to, to join and check that out. Um, and then on Tuesdays and Fridays, we also meditate online on Zoom and on YouTube. So anyone interested, please come meditate with us. It's just so filled with joy. So at the beginning, we usually start with about 20 minutes of silent meditation. There is a bit of guidance provided um, so that for someone who's new or for someone who would like to engage with that opportunity, that way, that, that entry point into meditation, they're free and welcome to do that. For anyone who has an established meditation practice, you're super welcome to enjoy your established meditation practice for that 20 minutes of quiet. And then we usually have a meditation talk, which focuses on these sacred teachings. And so it might be that it's highlighting a teaching from the Bhagavad Gita or from the Tathagatagarabha Sutra or from the Upanishads or from the, the Hebrew Bible or from the Christian New Testament. Um, and we're lifting the universal teachings from all of those traditions into the light. And always the invitation for each of us is, how may I live the truth of this teaching? So it goes far beyond the words and it's inviting all of us to live this awareness, to live this kindness, to live this energy and insight of compassion. And is it something that people sit a certain way and close their eyes or do they just do their own thing that they're comfortable with so we have chairs like in the physical meditation space we have chairs and so i think you know like this most recent sunday yesterday when we were meditating there i think 100 percent of the people were sitting in chairs but for anyone who wished if they prefer to do like sitting on a meditation cushion that would be completely fine um, so the important thing in the way that the teachings are shared in this particular community is to have a spine, neck, and head erect. And so the energy is able to move freely up and down the spine, and that is possible in a chair. Um, so there aren't any, if your question is, are there any elaborate yogic asanas or postures that you need to learn? The answer is no, and <laughs> you can be seated comfortably in a chair, but then also, if you are a yogi um, or you come from another tradition in which you do have a favorite seated posture for meditation, you're also super welcome to enjoy that. Okay, excellent. That sounds fantastic. And I've seen you're talking about Kriya, Kriya Yoga, K-R-I-Y-A. No, I haven't heard about that before. You might let me know what's yeah. that all about. Yeah, sure. So Kriya Yoga was brought by Paramahansa Yogananda to the United States from India. He arrived in the U.S. in 1920. And then in 1928, he was asked by students in the Washington, D.C. area who loved the teachings of non-dual awareness and the yoga philosophy to found an establishment there. And so he invited one of his students to come over from India. And that student he consecrated, Swami Yogananda consecrated as Swami Premananda. So Swami Premananda founded a meditation community in the Washington DC area. 
my teacher was his student. So Swami Shankarananda was consecrated by Swami Pramananda as a Swami. And then my teacher consecrated me as Swami Nityananda. And so the teachings have been passed down from teacher to student. Kriya Yoga is an individual meditation that is shared individually from the teacher to the student. And it's not shared with everyone. It's shared if you ask for it. So it's for a student who says, I really want to deepen my meditation practice. This is something that I really care about and I really want to dedicate myself to. It is an accessible and potent practice that can be integrated into daily life. So it's traditionally 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And what people find is that increasingly the energy of calm is available and present. So in the body, in the heart, in the mind, and in the life. The energy of Kriya will let you know where transformation is invited. And so there's a deep healing that happens and it happens just naturally. You're moving energy up and down the spine. What you receive when you receive Kriya from an embodied teacher who carries a living lineage, you receive more than the technique. You also receive the energy of spiritual support, spiritual transformation, uh, which is shared with with you through the teacher as you practice Kriya. And so it's an incredible gift. It's an incredible joy. And students find that, for example, a student recently said, I'm just noticing that the energy that I used to get from a cup of black tea, I now get from Kriya. And that energy carries me throughout the day. So it's like a quiet, but it's also a focus but it's also an energy of insight, but it's also an energy of inspiration. And so this particular student was saying, anytime he has a question about something at work, he can pause, meditate for a moment, and then there's like an inflow of inspiration and insight. And the question is resolved without sort of needing to reach for it or grapple with it or struggle on a human level, the solutions just share themselves. And with, I suppose, the last 20 years, people have really got addicted to technology and they're not really being present in nature, you know, even like going on a bus, like because my my parents in Ireland, they, they'll take a bus, you know, they're, they're retired, they go to different cities. And, you know, my mom is like just looking out the window, but, you know, she's like she's conscious and I see it as well. Everybody is down on their phone. And I think. Now we feel like we have to be doing something or we're looking for the, you know, the, the thumbs up or the comment and everything. And we're not connecting, not just with nature, but just with peace and just being present in the moment, no matter what we're doing. I would respectfully agree with you. And I mean, I have my phone right here. It's face down at the moment. So I acknowledge the joys and the gifts of technology as well. But I, I do agree. And so the, the teachings of the yogic tradition and all of the meditative traditions, so the Buddhist traditions as well, are a really wonderful counterpoint and counterpose to that. So Thich Nhat Hanh says that the present moment is the only moment. So for example, right here where I am, the sun is just starting to rise above the trees. After this conversation, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to let the sun say hi to my face. I'm going to let my face say hi to the sun. And it's so simple. It takes a minute and it's so beautiful. It is just so amazing to allow yourself to feel the warmth 
and the quiet. And I know that when I do that, I will also connect with the way the earth feels today here in this time and in this space. And I know the birds will be singing and they sing and it, it's always unique. It's always a fresh song. And so when you're connecting in that energy, it is as if, I think like when humans go on vacation, we allow ourselves to do that. We allow ourselves to simply be, but it's as simple as stepping outside for one moment without your phone, and just allowing yourself to simply be, and then knowing that's available, that's present, that's possible throughout the day, anytime you need a reset, one minute, just step outside, technology free, and simply allow yourself to be in this energy of the natural world. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the birds. I mean, I love doing that. I love, like, I've got a few trees in the garden. I love that. But I also, watching the butterflies and the bees and even the ants, just looking at how they're behaving and what they're doing. And it's like, by just doing that, you become so calm. You're just connecting with nature. It's so precious. It's so beautiful. And then sometimes it's hilarious and makes me burst out laughing. Like, I saw these two squirrels. They were like in this spiral chase and I was quiet enough outside. They didn't realize a human was there. And then they got sight of me and they just sort of like left and scattered. And they just, they just made me burst out laughing because it's the energy of life itself. And we're part of that. And so, so I very much agree with you. Any way in which we can open to that connection and that calm. And then what happens is that connectedness and that calm flow through us so that we're able to respect and honor and greet and just be filled with joy in the presence of the amazing gifts that are present in the humans in our lives. And so our relationships become so much sweeter, so much more tender. We become more present. We become more available, more aware. We're able to, to speak and think and make choices from inspired wisdom from within ourselves. And so the quality of our life increases, the quality of our relationships, our sleep, our immune system, our health, all of that increases as well. Brilliant. And like what, what I've seen on, um, on your website is the different courses that you've got. And what I love is you're not charging a price. You're basically kind of saying what you can afford. And I love that because, you know, we're conscious that there's some people, you know, they don't have the same disposable income and, you know, they're not, able, there's very few people doing that. So I commend you on actually offering your courses like that. Yes, that's the, uh, that's the model that it's a very ancient model. So it's, it's built into the yogic tradition and my teacher lived that way. I live that way as well. And so my teacher did not take a salary. I do not take a salary from the meditation community. And it's sort of like, I mean, I'm noticing the way the sun is rising and it's just giving away its light and it's, it's abundance. I mean, it's growth, it's self-expansion, it's joy. And that energy will circulate back to you somehow, some way. And so, yes, I mean, everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited um, and everyone is invited if you're able to give generously in financial terms to do that, because then that makes it possible for others to participate who are not able to, at this moment, give as generously financially. But then also, there are so many stories of 
those who receive generosity, who then in turn are able to transform their financial situations and then abundantly share with others as well. So there, there is this energy of sort of circulating that kindness and that generosity. Yeah, and I know that uh, you have a podcast as well. It's kind of, you started a few years ago, but I don't know, you've got 40 odd episodes. You may just talk about that what the it's kind of from recordings that you live speeches that you've done that you've taken some of the stuff from yeah yeah so i mean that's another thing for anyone who's interested in the yogic tradition we speak without notes and so we prepare thoughtfully and then speak without notes and the idea is that each of us is always invited to live this way to be very thoughtful mindful and aware and thorough in our preparation but then open to inspiration realizing that the highest that wants to share through us might not be what our human mind is capable of knowing in advance. And so, yes, um, I speak without notes. Those who share meditation talks at the community also speak without notes. It's a really time-honored tradition. And then what um, community members have done is take some of those talks and share them on podcasts. So you're very welcome to check them out. They're they're very fun. And I think you'll you'll find that in the teachings as they share at a wake up meditation, there's just such light and such joy. Uh, we're very sincere, very um, pure of heart in our desire to be of service. And it's also supremely fun. Yeah, I, I could see that from the different videos, not just with yourself, but there's a few different speakers. You can just see it's like it's flow, but it's also pure. I suppose love you know that you, yeah. it's it's not forced like you can see some of the things that are organized so it's actually a lovely what 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 you've got there thank you for saying that and i mean that's such a tribute to my teacher swami shankarananda was just flowing pure love <laughs> he was so awesome and so he gave us an incredible foundation and we everyone who's there now we just open our hearts and ask to be of service and ask for that energy of universal kindness and caring and radiance and humor uh, to share through us however it can oh, brilliant and just curious about the other books you've uh, tattooing the world pacific uh, design in print and skin yeah yeah so that's a book that i published and it tells the story of how tattoo traveled from oceania from Tahiti and Samoa and other places in Oceania to the rest of the world. And so Captain James Cook had a role to play in that. He was circumnavigating the globe and he and his sailors came upon these amazing patterns that had deeply sacred meaning in Oceania. And the sailors acquired copies of those patterns on their skin and they traveled. So they traveled back to Europe and people began seeing the designs on the skin of the sailors. And then Captain Cook also wrote about the patterns. And when he traveled back, his travel journals became the equivalent of what we would call bestsellers today. And so actually the, the word tattoo in English and the word as it traveled into other European languages as well, derives from tatau in Tahiti and in Samoa. And so that book tells the story of the way these sacred patterns help locate an individual in relation to the land and the sea and the sky and the divine, the cosmos. And then the way that those patterns traveled into Europe and acquired different meanings as they traveled. So always the viewer 
has a lot to do with what is perceived in the patterns. And, and so this is also, it's a, it's a very, um, it's an observation that's very much like a yogic teaching, which says that what we see in the world is very much telling us what we're carrying within ourselves. <laughs> and so what that means is we have the ability to transform our own thoughts, our own feelings, and that will transform our experience and the way that we're perceiving and interacting with the world. Beautiful. And the, the, the other one then was, uh, is this House of Seven Days? Oh, right. Yeah. So that's a novel and it's a novel set in Baltimore and it tells a story. It's a mystery story, but it's also sort of weaving in these principles of non-dual awareness and oneness in daily life, but in the form of fiction as well. Okay. I'm just curious because, I mean, you're like you're a speaker and a professor, but like we, we, being the professor, have they embraced what you do or do you just keep two separate entities like that they, they don't know <laughs> Swami? To... So there's there's only oneness. And so thankfully, I'm really, really thankful. I have actually served as a professor for 25 years. I'm about to receive a medal in April for serving for 25 years. And I'm really thankful. I teach at a school where I'm able to focus on liberation and hope. And so, for example, one of the classes I teach, the title of it is Justice and Hope. And it's all about humans, ordinary, everyday humans who face impossible circumstances in their daily life, manage to overcome them and triumph and manage to work on behalf of love and justice and truth and freedom. And so I'm so thankful that the energy of my classroom is also the energy of community. And I also just want to pay tribute. The young people today are amazing. And so we have every reason to just be absolutely delighted about the future of this world. So they are filled with wisdom, with acceptance, with understanding, with awareness, with commitment, with compassion. They are an absolute joy. They frequently also tell me that the other students in the classes give them hope because they see the compassion, they see the dedication that every student in these classes is articulating and exhibiting. And they say, this is amazing because you will raise your kids with this awareness and this will be transmitted, this will travel, this will travel into the workplaces, into all the structures that humans create. And so we are in a time, I would say, of transformation. It's individual, it's community, it's collective. And I think these these young students are aware of that and they are magnificent. Oh, brilliant. And I, I think even with my own son, I'm kind of seen that, but I've seen a kind of transformation as well in the kind of the generation previous, because it used to be a case of like the men go out to work, the woman stays at home and everything. But I'm seeing that like with a lot of my friends, the men are really involved in the children these days that they, you know, you can see pure love from the father side, as opposed to be just the breadwinner and, you know, not even knowing who the kids' friends are or anything like that. And that gives me hope as well when I see that. I absolutely agree with you. It is magnificent. Magnificent. Yes. Uh, shout out to the amazing dads and the amazing moms, the amazing parents. Thank you all. It is an incredible gift that you're giving your kids when you share that awareness and that pure love with them. No, absolutely. Listen, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You might let people know how can they get in contact with you? I mean, obviously we can write the notes to, for the podcast and everything, but what's the best way to for people to contact you? 
Yes, absolutely. So please check out our website, awakeyogameditation.org. Um, if you're interested in the book, Awake the Yoga of Pure Awareness, you can find that on our website as well. We have links where you can join our Sunday, Tuesday, and Friday meditations. If you're in the Baltimore or DC or Philly area geographically, come meditate with us in person. It's really amazing to be embodied and meditating with other humans who are tuning into the same energy. We have uh, teachings on YouTube, so check those out if you're interested. We also have offerings on Instagram and on Facebook as well. So Awake Yoga Meditation has an Instagram um, platform and Swami Nityananda Giri also has a Instagram platform as well. So please check us out. It would be a joy to meditate with you. Oh, fantastic. And I mean, just based on all the information that you've given us, everybody is welcome and genuinely welcome, which is fantastic to actually hear. So I'll make sure I'll put the links both in the audio and the video. Thank you very much. Thank you. And yes, indeed, everyone, welcome. Come meditate with us. No problem. So that's all for the Meditation Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on meditationpodcast.org. Sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, share with your friends, and you'll find everything about me on bio.link forward slash podcaster. And be sure, if you get the book, give a five-star rating, and also same on our podcast. It all helps. Until next week, take care.